We're going to uh, read from Psalm 67, which is on page 581 in the Church Bible. Psalm 67. Psalm 67, it reads, For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm and a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Good morning, everyone. Good. Well, our text for this morning is the psalm we've just heard, Psalm 67. This is a family favorite with the the Fellows family. We refer to it as our birthday psalm. You may wonder why. Well, when a member of the Fellows family had a birthday, we'd have a breakfast to celebrate that. And as part of the birthday breakfast, we would read this psalm over the one whose birthday it was pronouncing this, this blessing. So it, it's very precious to us. Now this, this psalm begins with a well-known line from the Old Testament, which is known as the Aaronic Blessing. So Aaron, the great high priest, number six, pronounced this over the people, the people of Israel. May God be gracious to you, bless you, and make his face to shine upon you. And it would be hard to overestimate how significant this blessing is to the practice of Judaism. Even today, this is really quite central to to a Jewish practice. And we could call this the Old Testament favorite verse of of most Jews. I don't know what yours is, John 3.16, Romans 8.28. This was theirs, this ironic blessing. So I want to ask the simple question this morning as this text addresses us, what does it mean to have God's face shine upon you? What does that actually mean? May God be gracious to us, bless us, and make His face shine on us. What is that? Begs the question, what is a shining face? It's a a rather unusual turn of phrase, um, it brings up in my mind immediately the days when my boys were young. One of them, I won't name him here, but he, he was like Pigpen in the Peanuts cartoon. Not many, few of you nod, yet that, that ages all of us, puts us in our category of well beyond it. Pigpen was as scruffy as they came. 
It looked like he'd always been swimming through mud. I had one like that. Before we take him out, we drag him into the bathroom and we scrub him up. We tried to get him shining. Uh, but of course, this shining face reference in, in, in verse 1 has nothing to do with a, a clean face. So, so what is it referring to? Well, we need to begin, I think, by thinking for a moment about what a face is. What is a face? And let's begin with the human face. There's lots of human faces here this morning. I see lots in front of me. How do we look at a human face? Well, you can do so in two ways. Firstly, you can see a face as an assembly of parts above the neckline. It's just an assembly of parts. Something we share in common with every other species of animals who have faces. There are lots of different kinds of faces. There's cat faces. Some people go, oh, when they see a cat face. There's dog faces. There's geese faces. There's elephant faces. There's a funny one. Gorilla faces. You can get faces under the microscope. Flea faces. They're really quite something. And then you have human faces. And as an assembly of parts, you've got the eyes, the cheekbones, the nose, the mouth. Just an assembly of rather amusing-looking parts. If you look at a person's face long enough, just as an assembly of parts, you might start smiling. Because it actually looks rather funny. So that's one way you can view a face. But secondly, in the human face, we see a vehicle for expressing personhood which goes so much further than the assembly of parts. So the face is where uniquely my subjectivity comes through to you and yours to me. So it's where our personhood gets reflected through our faces. And this is totally unique to our species. Animals don't have personhood. So only human faces reflect subjectivity, what it means to be a person, and there's no explanation for personhood in the natural world. So you can't find an explanation for what it means to be a human person in the world of matter. So science can't get at this core aspect of what it means to be human. So if you caught up a human and looked for their person, you wouldn't find them there. The French philosopher René Descartes thought that the person was located in the pituitary gland. He was wrong. It wasn't there. It's not there. So what is the explanation for personhood? The explanation given by the revelation of Scripture. Well, personhood is rooted in being the image of God. That makes us uniquely persons. And that's part of our glory, part of our dignity, that we reflect Him, the living God, who's a person. And that confers on us, being the image of God, being a person, it confers on us a status that mere matter and atoms never could. It makes every person in the universe sacred. Which is why C.S. Lewis said, when you meet a human person, you meet the holiest entity in all of creation. Now, this core of a human is hidden. As I said, you can't carve us open and find personhood. But the wonder of the human face is this. The face is the point where the mystery of personhood comes out of hiding. 
all you as persons reveal your personhood to me, to each other, through face. So in the face, the invisible aspect, which is the core of us, becomes visible. It's where the spiritual unseen part of us and the physical side, this anatomy, this arrangement of parts, combine. And that's why the most important part of a person's anatomy If you go to the gym, some people like to admire their anatomy. Look at my pecs, my bottom. No, it's not the most important part of your anatomy. The most important part of a human anatomy is the face. And the wonder of a human face is that that though it's flesh and bone and blood, it appears to another as though lit from behind. When you look at another person's face, you have this sense that you're gazing at something much more than matter. You see a person in the face. And the reason for that is the person exists in and behind the face, the human face. So when you meet another person, if you really want to meet them as persons, you direct your attention to not their feet, not their knees, not their necks, you, take, you bring your attention to their face. That's how you meet a person. So, faces are wonderful. And we're said, reference here, God's face shining upon us. Now, what's the shiny bit here? The shining face. Well, I would suggest that a shining face is a smiling face. The smile is quite remarkable. Now, everyone loves smiley faces. You see it in the recent emoji trend. Wow, it's just like taken over civilization. It's a really a fascinating development in human communication. We're using fewer words, and we want to put some emotion into our words to others, so we put emojis with it. Smiling faces. Not all of them. Many of them are smiling in some kind of way. Now, I don't mind emojis. I don't think this is the last frontier before Western civilization collapses. That's not what I'm saying. But I do want to say this. There's nothing like a real smile. In fact, I think we could say, before God, in praise and wonder, the smiling face of a human is one of the wonders of creation. What happens when a person smiles at you? Their face literally lights up. Test it. Someone smiles, it lights up. Some kind of illumination occurs. I have a very strong memory of one of my dear grandmothers. She died many years ago. Uh, When I was growing up, I heard the word formidable. It's quite young, used with respect to my, my grandmother. Later, I understood what a euphemism was. Um, she wasn't easy. Actually, while we're on my granny, I have to tell you a story. Um, I wanted to marry my good wife here, Helen. I had to ask her father. I love a good deal. I love a bargain. If I save 20 pence on an eBay transaction, that makes me happy for a whole day. I love to trade stuff. Well, back in my courting days, I'm working up the courage to... um, ask Helen's dad for her hand, but I have a problem because I'm stuck with my granny. I've come from Canada to England, 
No other member of the family to look after her. She's moving into the phase of dementia. I'm the only person who, who can take care of her. So I came up with a plan that's the best deal I ever struck. I went to Helen's dad and I said, I'll take your daughter if you take my granny. <laughs> and you know what? He's a wonderful man. He accepted it. We kind of shook hands on it. Anyway, how does this relate to smiling? My grandmother, this rather formidable woman, when I went into to her bedroom to visit with her, I'd come into the room and immediately she would smile. And this smile lit up her face and literally lit up the room. It was a remarkable smile she had. Formidable to smiling, something shifted significantly. Now that happens because when a person smiles, you get an even deeper insight to the mystery of personhood. It comes out even stronger in a smiling face. And part of a smiling face is the eyes. When someone smiles, the eyes glow. They glitter. And that's what you're drawn to when someone smiles. You see something in the eyes. And you're not looking at the color of their retina. There's something about personhood there. In fact, there's so much glory in a shining face, a smiling face, you can't look at it for long. You look, and then you look away. You have to avert your gaze because the glory of personhood is there. I would suggest the smile is one of our Lord's greatest inventions. I think we could also argue that the smiling face of a human is a strong evidence against a naturalistic explanation of the universe and of humans. You go to a zoo and look at animals. They have very interesting faces with lots of expressions. The orangutans, the gorillas, the monkeys. I can watch them for hours. They never smile. Scientists have asked that question. Well, they don't smile because they don't have personhood. They don't bear the image of God. Smiling faces. Now, this psalm says the Lord smiles upon us. He has a, his shining face is turned towards us. And when we receive the smile of another person, it always conveys two things. Every smile is this. Firstly, a smile is the gift of a person to you. When a person smiles on you, they are gifting you with something of their personhood. I would suggest smiles cannot be coerced. If there's photographers here, you try to convince me otherwise, but I think it's rather absurd when a photo ph photographer makes a funny face at you and then says, smile, I just grimace. I'm so unphotogenic. When someone says smile, something else happens because smiles are gifts. We give them as gifts to others. But secondly, the smile of another person is their blessing to you. When you turn your smiling face at another person, you have blessed them. You've impacted them deeply. Even grumpy people can be impacted by a smile. One smile can change a person's day. They're that profound and wonderful. And that's why we should be giving this gift to the people around us, to each other, to people in the workplace, to our children, People on the street, we need public spaces that have more smiles, genuine smiles. 
Because something so profound happens there. The gift, the impact of blessing. Now this psalm, Psalm 67, takes all we've just explored a bit about faces and about smiling and applies it to the Lord. May God, the God of heaven and earth, be gracious to us, bless us, and make His face shine on us. Gracious gift, the blessing, how does it come? In the smile of the Father on our lives. And that's what this, this, this psalm is longing for, wishing for, the blessing of God on us through His smile, His smiling face. Now, what does this actually mean, that God smiles on us? Well, I find it interesting that if you turn to the, the pages of the New Testament, it's revealed there that Jesus, the Son of God, is also the face of God. Just so you know, through the Old Testament, this idea of the face of God is a a very, very common metaphor attributed to God, His face. Come to the New Testament, Jesus is the face of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Christ. Jesus Christ is the face of God. That's how the Bible reveals Him to us. The light of who this great and infinite God is, is seen in Jesus. And it's not just a metaphor, because Jesus was born into our species. He fully took on humanity, and He took on a human face, in which His personhood is conveyed. Now, what the face of Jesus looked like, none of us know. Thousands of artists have attempted to represent, reproduce the face of Christ. Here in Northern Europe, we tend to create what I call the Swedish Jesus, blonde hair and blue eyes. But we have no idea what his face actually looked like. But we know he had a face. And his face was the face of God. Why? Because Jesus, who took on humanness, total humanness, was also fully and totally God. So his face, literal face, was the face of God to the creation. Now I would apply this Old Testament psalm in this way. It is in and through the face of Christ that the smile of God is directed to each of us this morning. Through Jesus, we receive God's shining smiling face. So it's in Jesus that this smile reaches us in the ultimate sense. Remember, every smile is gracious and blessing, gift and blessing. Now, because Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the Bible said He's always been the Son of the Father, the Father has always smiled on Jesus. The Father is always delighted with the fullness of delight in Jesus Christ. So he's always been smiling on him. That's what parents do with their children. Our kids come into the room, well, not all the time. We love to smile on our children. I see it. Kids come running up the stairs after Sunday school, run up to the parents, and they go, I like this. They smile at them. We love to bestow smiles of delight 
on our young children. We turn our shining faces on them and they respond to that shining face. That's what the father did with his son eternally. It was always this way. He delighted in his son. And this didn't stop when Jesus became fully human. Remember at the baptism? John puts him under the water, or however it happened, dripped water on him, we don't know. Whatever it was, he came up out of the water, and the words came from the Father, this is my beloved Son, the one I delight in. He kept delighting in the Son. Now here, it's part of the Christian narrative, we know it so well, but there was a moment in the life of Jesus when the Father stopped smiling on the Son. Now that is remarkable. The Father no longer smiling on the Son. Why? Well, at this moment, Jesus is hanging on His cross. A real cross. And why is the Father not smiling on the Son? Well, because He is bearing our sin. My sin and your sin. And it's our sin that keeps the Father from smiling on us. It's a barrier. So Jesus carried our sin and he took it away. He removed it. And in the removal of our sin, now the Father can smile on you and can smile on me. All because he took our sin upon himself. That's what our Savior did. So the way is open for us to stand under this gift and blessing. We have a Father who delights in us because of Jesus. And he's gifting us and blessing us constantly with his smile. So the blessing of this psalm is the reality we live in because of Jesus. We have a Father in heaven who totally delights in us. Now, it's hard for many of us to really appreciate this. Some of us here are just in very difficult circumstances. And we look at our circumstances and we say, does he really delight in me as his child. Some of us live in mood swings and we go into moments of deep sadness and we think, does God the Father really delight in me? The fact is, he does because of what Jesus has done. He never stops blessing us in this way. So this smile of the Father that's always towards you and always towards me, it's the outcome of the gospel. This is what the good news has done for us. We are totally accepted by God the Father, brought into His family. So He's constantly smiling upon us. He has the same kind of love for us as He had for His eternal Son. The same delight. And that means there's never a moment, despite our feelings, when the Father isn't smiling and delighting in us. So this smile of the Father is the source of all of our blessings that we live under. And it's actually the benefit, just to live in the benefit. Remember I said smile is blessing, which is enlargement and benefit? Well, just to live under this is the benefit, and that enlarges our lives. Verse 6 of the psalm says, under God's blessing, the land yields its harvest. There's an increase of harvest. To live under the Father's smile is to live in increase, to live in bounty, to live in human flourishing. 
And this psalm reminds us that living under this remarkable blessing, the smile of the Father on us because we're in Christ, that in this blessing, we want to spread it all around. We don't keep it for ourselves. So that's where the direction of this psalm goes. May God be gracious to us, to you, May be gracious, bless you, make his face shine on you, uh, on us. Why? So his ways may be known on earth. His salvation among all nations. As others see what it means to live in this blessing, this gift of the Father's smile, it spreads out. So we should want to spread the blessing. And that's what this psalm is about. It's about spreading this blessing. Making sure it doesn't stop with us. But I would say this. It should start with us. And it's interesting. I haven't done much work here, but I know that there are groups of Christians through the centuries. There's some even today in Africa that I know of who use this blessing of Psalm 67 to greet each other. What better way to bless each other, to remind each other of the gift and blessing we're in. We're under the smile of the Father because of what Jesus has done. May God be gracious to you, bless you, and make his face shine upon you. That's how we should start with each other, reminding each other that's the blessing, and let's go out then and spread it further. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for the remarkable place we stand in, being under your loving smile of delight in us, the smile which is gift, grace, the smile which is blessing and enlargement, and all of this is due to the work of your Son, your Son who is your face, to humanity, to creation. And so we stop and pause and remember together how blessed we are. Help us to spread it out, Lord, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.